Everybody, welcome to the Throwing Wrenches Podcast. This is Eric Stahl. And I'm Daryl Scott. And as usual, we are the auto podcast that Peoria deserves or desires. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all the feedback. Uh, a couple of you had written us in the last couple of weeks, and uh, we want to say thank you so much for sharing it. And thanks for all the new listeners who are just joining us for the first time. Well, that's because you're out there soliciting, Daryl. I think it's uh, ambitious on your part. I like it. That's right. It's a new Daryl. I just put a Facebook Marketplace <laughs> post up, and everybody started following us. Well, now that Craigslist is charging, I think that's the place to go anyway. Yeah, we're cheap. We're cheap. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Robert, a listener from uh, right here in central Illinois. Uh, he heard the last show where Eric and I were talking about used oil hassles, trying to dispose of your used oil. And uh, although auto um, parts stores will take it, a lot of quick lube places will, he recommended, Robert says, go to Lens Oil Service at 3001 Southwest Washington in Peoria. Uh, they are in the kind of that main strip there behind UFS. They actually have a pair of oil drop-off tanks that are open to DIYers 24 hours a day. It kind of seems a little strange, but, but just go to the behind the building and drop it off the tank. Yeah. But they also uh, accept used transmission fluid, brake fluid, gasoline, and antifreeze. Don't just dump it there. You actually have to, you know, kind of set that up and give them a call. But uh, they charge a dollar per gallon to take antifreeze, but everything else they'll go ahead and take without charging you. And I want to say thanks to Robert for that great tip. Thanks for listening, and thanks for sharing that. I hope that helps some people out. No, that was awesome. And he sent us a picture of the disposal area and everything. I mean, yeah. it, it was a good post. It was awesome. We all sh- uh, maybe we should just share that on the uh, Throwing Wrenches Facebook page. I think we should. I think we should. Now, going back to that issue, uh, we didn't talk about this in our pre-show. Yeah. Uh, I, I may have been erroneous talking about how it's free for the, these uh, parts stores to take oil. Oh, okay. Uh, I was talking to Regan about it, and Regan said, you know, dealerships have the... Um, we have the disposal responsibility, but we also service cars and everything. Auto parts stores may actually have to pay to dispose of that because of the the way they're zoned and everything. So, oh, okay. so we can't completely, you know. Say, Was that an assumption, Eric? I, it might have been an assumption, and I could be wrong. They could still be getting paid for it too, for all I know. But I we'll, we'll we'll assume right now they're not, and they have to dispose of that, Daryl. We'll and give they, them the benefit of the doubt. There's a reason they drop those blinds when they see you coming with a, you know, <laughs> a few quarts in your hand with my tanker truck full of oil, <laughs> French fry grease. Just kidding. Yeah. So what's up, man? You've been uh, hitting trails here already. It's May. I Dar- know you're jumping ahead. We're not, we're, we're not going to solicit for sponsors. Do we? Oh. I'm telling you, Daryl, I'm getting the Casey, Casey. Well, yeah, what's the Casey Law Office? I'm holding a koozie in my non-formally nicotine-stained hand right now. Right, a beautiful Uh, Kelly Green. Yeah, Kelly Green. It's got a Toyota Land Cruiser in the front. Uh, So anyway, what we're trying to do is say, hey, if you're a sponsor of the Throwing Wrenches podcast, we'll talk about you in depth. We won't let Daryl skip ahead. Okay. Yeah, we'll spend at least thirty seconds, maybe two minutes, depending on how interesting your business is. Uh, So somebody like (laughs) the Casey Law Office and 
at clopeoria.com uh, could get a solicitation there. So if you want to sponsor the show, please contact us at info at throwingwrenches.com. All right. Now, Daryl, I feel now, comfortable moving ahead with now the Now we can go. Okay, fine. <laughs> so you did some some off-road driving here in the, uh, the the fabled Badlands Park, and that's in Indiana, right? Yeah, it is. Attica, Indiana. It's on old US-41, which I love going up and down that road because there's all these cool buildings and stuff. That's a whole different... I'll bet... Oh, yeah. You, 41's a... That's a good road. That's a great drive, I imagine, yeah. just like the Route 66 drive. Anyway, that's a whole different story, but I do love that little caveat when I turn on to Route... You know, I've, I actually lived on 41 when I lived in Miami. So that's always kind of fun. Yeah, it starts at the UP and goes all the way down to Miami. Yeah, neat, so. neat road. Anyway, yeah, so Attica, Indiana, it's just across the border from Illinois. It's in the eastern time zone, which is always a drag, because every time you want to meet somebody at 9 o'clock in the morning, that means you got to get up that much earlier. <laughs> it means you got to do math. <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jinx. Anywho. Uh, uh, no, so there was an event going on. It was uh, called 4x4 101. There's a business up in Chicago called Chi-Town 4x4, and they do a great job. They, they deal with a lot more customers. I like to... I like to talk about how we do uh, a lot of 4x4 upgrades and stuff here in central Illinois on Toyotas, and we, you know, we specialize in that. But Chicago is a huge market, so these guys really do a lot more than we do. And what he does is once or twice a year, he does this event called 4x4 101, where he teaches people recovery and how to use their lockers and all that good stuff. The Badlands is a pretty good park. It's built with sand. Uh, it's like a natural sand dune park, but it's also a natural quarry. So it, it's good for everybody. Like limestone kind of quarry? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's ate up. Every time you go there, the, the paths are different. You know, people have been gnawing on these same spots for, for five years. I've watched them all change. Huh. Um, so I went over there last Saturday in the rain. Mm. And it's, but what's cool, though, about a park like that, it, being sand, being a quarry with, you know, with the limestone, uh, and it's not bad. Even when it's dumping rain on you, you're still getting traction. You're still having fun. When you hop out of the truck, you're not like getting up to your knees in mud. Mud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I uh, had a good time. Met up with those guys. Met a lot of Toyota folks. And uh, nobody did anything stupid that I saw. Nobody rolled their truck. Nobody uh, broke anything. No broken axles. So uh, the other thing was fun for me. My son's 15. He's on a permit. And they're really casual there about the rules of driving. So uh, I let my son drive, which is actually great for me because I get to take pictures for a change. I'm used to always being the guy who's driving, leading, yeah. trail you know, trail leading, and I can't take pictures of anything. So when he was driving, I got to hop out, take some pictures of Tree Hugger, my, my forerunner, and uh, enjoyed that. So I posted some of those pictures, and I think I shared them on the Throwing Wrenches Facebook page, what I did last weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think you did Sunday yeah. or Monday. So, yeah, actually quite a quite a bit of nice photography there. It's nice when you get a little break from having to drive. You still enjoy it. Yeah, though. and he, he my son was like, where's a better spot to do donuts? It's too tight here. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was funny but he's he still got his permit right when is uh he june well he gets his license in june or july but i think because he didn't do it you gotta wait like so many months now before you open yeah. the permit he may have to wait till like september before he actually gets his license so. i think there's there's a lot of new rules out there which i mean we could talk about that on an upcoming show yeah we should we should just make a list of the illinois rules mm-hmm. there's a lot of things of illinois we can make lists about <laughs> yeah top 10 yeah. Uh, and so that, yeah, that was my weekend that weekend. And then this coming weekend, uh, you know, we're going to touch briefly on, on cars and uh, cars and coffee and, uh, Friday night lights and all that. But, uh, I'm going to autocross, hopefully at Parkland on Sunday Oh, cool! with Dean and, uh, the Champaign County sports car club. Nice. And, uh, it's at Parkland and because I'm a member now and I spent my $20 with Dean, I think it's like 25 bucks to do racing for the day. That's dirt cheap. It's super cheap. So, if you hadn't, uh, folks at home, if you have not heard uh, that episode of Throwing Wrenches with Dean Plumidor of the Champaign County Sports Car Club, check that out. It was 
two or three episodes back. You just yeah. search up Dean. It's Dean Plumador. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it should be a good time. I have got to get my Celica into the shop tomorrow to get the, the racing tires on it. I got some hundred aggressive tread tires that, I'm, that I put on that car for racing. And, yeah. uh, you know, Dean made fun of me. He's like, well, that puts you in a different class. I'm like, I don't care. I'm just there to have fun. You know, if, if oh, my yeah. car is the slowest in the class, hey, somebody's got to be last, right? <laughs> That's right. If it's not me, it's going to be somebody else. Somebody sets the pace and somebody brings up the rear. Right? Exactly. Well, Nat, for, for folks who are just joining us, Celica is a 90? 1990 GT. Uh, it's uh, just a front-wheel drive GT, but it's a five-speed. It's prepped pretty much for autocross racing, right? Yeah, it's got the coilovers. We've got our lowered down. We've got the, the good sticky tires. We've got the cold air intake. So I have the three, you know, I've, yeah, three things on there that put it up in street prepared, which is stupid. You yeah. know, cold, <laughs> cold air intake and coilovers. It's a know. monster. Yeah, exactly. It's cool, though. It's, it's a fun little car. And I'll tell you what, you guys actually get your money's worth out of it because uh, it's kind of become kind of a family affair for you guys, right? Yeah, I take my daughter. So she'll be racing out there. She'll probably bring her boyfriend. I want to strangle him, but that's okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, that means I'll beat her because she'll be paying attention to him and not me. Well, and she's a gearhead. She appreciates cars and trucks and all kinds of on stuff. Her, on her high school graduation uh, invitation, I should have brought you one here. Um, Thanks, there's, Eric. There's I a, didn't get one. There's a picture of her with her Celica. So, oh, really? Which we've named Red Mist, by the way. So Red Mist. Red Mist. Very nice. Uh, what about our boyfriend? Is he into cars, too? Through <sighs> osmosis? If if she's in the car, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Darryl, what do you that, got? Did you get that stereo working, by the way? Yeah, I did. I think we talked about that. Yeah, I did. I, uh, I That was one of those deals where I think I fixed a battery post, and all of a sudden the, the radio worked magically. And you know what? I looked like a god to my child. That's one of those hallmarks where you're like, yeah. all right. Dad, you fixed the radio. I love you forever. Yeah, I'm a genius. You, yeah. Your old man's genius. I had an interesting thing. I don't have any real projects here because I'm lazy. That's hard care. to believe. Hard well, to believe. I've got a long list. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to turn the key and see what fires and take that to work. But right now, um, I did have an interesting thing. Talk about batteries and storage. My folks have uh, a pair of uh, Cavaliers from the 1980s, and I know that's hilarious. You guys are Cavalier collectors. We, yeah, it's kind of because. Is there a society? Um, there is a J-Body organization that we belong to. Oh, and you are members. Okay, oh, yeah. just oh, checking. Yeah. Well, it's not like a paid group. It's just a website, forum, okay. chat okay. thing. Okay. Uh, but yeah, my folks, in 1988, they bought my mom a... Uh, my mom bought a uh, an '86 Cavalier RS convertible, and they bought it in February. I remember when they brought it home, and it's it's. I've got like all these cool memories of like just riding around in this thing as a kid, and then also that was the car I learned how to drive on. I took my driver's permit test and all that fun stuff, and uh, I wound up crashing it in high school, <laughs> uh, being stupid, and I got t-boned, and it was just a bad scene in a parking lot of high school. They traded it in and got an Oldsmobile, and then uh, a couple years later, when I was in college, it came up for sale. The guy who bought it was the body shop manager at the dealership, oh. so he got it and uh, fixed it up for his daughter. His daughter's like, I don't like this, and I want a Saturn, so he bought her a Saturn. <sighs> yeah, so it sat in his garage for like the four years I was in school, and then my senior year, he's like, hey, uh, my dad was getting an oil change on the daily driver at the time, and he says, hey, uh, you know anybody wants to buy your old Cavalier? And he's like, what? Uh, yeah, tell me more. So we got it. I drove that thing around for another couple of years, and uh, now my folks have it again. So my mom loves it. It's a fun car. But when I was up there for Easter a couple of weeks ago, I think probably before we did the last show, uh, or after we did the last show, anyways, we were in the garage and trying to put the battery back together and stuff. My dad had it on a battery tender, mm -hmm. like a trickle charger, and putting everything in, connecting, connecting everything. And we look in the firewall and all this, and there's like 
little shells of acorns and nuts and oh, peanuts. Oh, yeah. He had, yeah. A, little, he had a, a traveling companion. A little, a little rodent issue yeah, yeah. Uh, in storage, which, you know, anybody's got something in a barn all winter. You know how that goes. Uh, it could be overnight. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be all winter. It's, it's tough sometimes. So we hook everything up, and, of course, the car doesn't crank. And it, there's, like, some weird noise under the dash. And, of course, my mind starts going right away, too. Oh, the wiring harness is all chewed up. It's all ruined. Everything's toast. <laughs> You're kind of a half-empty guy anyway. So. I am. I'm very pessimistic. So I wound up cleaning everything up. I put a multimeter on the battery, and it was, like, you know, 3.8 volts or something. So we, we put it on the trickle charge, even though it was on all winter. I don't think it really was. Uh, we charged it up overnight, put it up the next day, fired it up. Everything's good. But there's some weird stuff with the radio, like the, like the buttons are kind of wonky, the display's sure. weird. So I'm wondering if the battery's got a bad cell in it or something. So it, you were talking earlier about batteries and connections. If you're taking something out of storage, whether it's an autocross car, kind of a hobby car for the summer, you, you always have those little weird things. And your mind, if you're like me, goes to, oh, everything's shot or there's some big electrical thing. Start simple. Start with the battery. Well, isn't that what cables. Dean said? I mean, stop looking yeah. for the unicorns. Go for the, ze- what do you say, zebras? Zebras that- and unicorns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a zebra. It's I don't even know what the lesson was. Start simple, I think. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was. It wasn't. Don't go. Don't go for the weirdest thing it could possibly be. Go to the thing it probably is. You know. Don't go chasing waterfalls, Eric. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what Stick I live by. Rivers and streams that you're used to. <laughs> All right. So, is it time to do headlines? Uh, well, we could talk briefly. Do we want? Are we gonna move local news to the cars and coffee segment. Oh, we can do local. Well, no, we usually do local after national. We've got to keep people. Baited on the hook, Daryl. <laughs> There's a strategy hey, do, here. Do you want to hear more about local cars and coffee scene? Then tune in in the next 30 minutes. Coming up after the break. Yeah, exactly. Now weather. Right. Now, I want to hear all about Z cars. Uh, I, mm. you know, I'm i not a huge Nissan guy, so this was actually kind of interesting to me because I didn't realize the uh, lineage going on here. Sure. Yeah, so if anybody's been following the auto show circuit that kicked off, I guess, around January, first of the year, everybody's making headlines, talking about electric cars, autonomous cars, everything else. I stumbled across something that was kind of neat the other day, and it was it was a nice story about Nissan's Z car celebrating its 50th birthday. And, of course, Nissan's original sports car was the, the 240Z that is now officially a half-century old. It made its debut back in 1969 as a 70 model. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Nissan has been long associated with kind of having a sports car image, brand, you know, at least a model available of some sort. And that's because they went right into racing. Um, anybody who grew up in the 70s or 80s remembers the BRE Datsuns. Of course, Datsun was the the name. There, yeah. there was like a whole... No, my parents had Datsun when I was a kid. Did they, right? Really? Yeah. What, uh, what kind? It was a little wagon. Little yellow wagon, like a five ten, two ten. I or have something. no idea, but yeah. uh, I, I was in the early seventies, probably seventy two, seventy three, something like that. Oh, sweet! Yeah. They were great cars in the Midwest. The only thing that really got them was <laughs> rust. The rust. It's always rust. It wasn't mechanical. Those things. I, I used to work with a guy who was an engineer, and he had a, a two ten sedan, and he bought it brand new, and I think he had it like fifteen years. And he patched the floor pans up, and you know the shift boot broke, and he like duct taped it and stuff. But the damn thing just ran. Yeah. And he said he would have kept driving it if it didn't become unsafe, basically. So, anyways, rust is a killer, and that's what kind of killed the the first generation uh, Z cars here in the Midwest. The front suspension mounts and all that unibody stuff would rust out. Yeah. But uh, if you can get one from out west or down south, usually um, you got a solid chassis to work with. The Brock Racing Enterprise cars, the BRE cars that were painted up in the uh, the kind of the red, white, and blue livery, they were actually uh, pretty pretty uh, competitive on the track. 
And uh, the the Z cars had a big inline six. You know, it was two point four liter with dual carbs, and they they sounded great. They sounded and looked kind of like a miniature Jaguar E Type is what a lot of people remembered, but they were way cheaper. And not to discount Toyota, the the Toyota's 2000 GT, which is kind of like the, I guess... It's the million-dollar ride right now. It, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, that the GT holds so much prestige, and, and I, there's nothing with Nissan that I, I see holding that. It was a Bond car. So yes. that, I mean, that's the one thing that Toyota has going for it. Nissan didn't have that kind of prestige, but still. No, they didn't, but uh, they only, I think, did like 350 or so of the 2000 GTs. Mm-hmm. They were a couple years earlier, so 67, I think, to 70 was that model run mm-hmm. for the Toyota. Um, so they kind of set the bar and then, um, Nissan Datsun basically came out and was like, well, we can, we can do that to the masses. And, uh, they were great cars. It evolved into the 300s, uh, 280Z, 260Z, 280Z, 300, basically just based on, you know, cubic yeah. inches of the motor. And today they still make, uh, the 370. They've, uh, they've up to a 3.7 now. And honestly, for 30,000 bucks, you get a 300 horse. Yeah. It's still a little great, sports car. Yeah. Great car. Fun car. Yeah. Uh, you know what? So I didn't realize that uh, Datsun and Ford had Yamaha engines in common. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one to hang your hat on. And they did a pretty good job yeah. for what they were. The show, I always remember the show when you, you'd pop the engine on that and see that Yamaha engine under there. It always cracked me up. Yeah, the, the Ford Taurus SHO yeah. show cars, those were really neat. Never want to work on one. Oh, no. No. Never. No, once there was a problem, everybody like ran and, and hid. <laughs> I think I got a misfire. Like, good luck. I'll see you. Shop closes. Done. <laughs> kind of like your experience at the uh, auto parts store last episode. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, and then not to keep hogging the, the spotlight here, but I just want to talk. It's about- your turn, Daryl. This is, is your show to talk. Oh, yay. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of tough coming up with international headlines, but this is one I think kind of fits the bill. There was an article on Jalopnik, which is a... Automotive website for those. Who, it's uh, kind of an opinionated automotive website, but it's fun. It's kind of a big deal. It thinks it is. Yeah. The writers do. It's it's a fun thing. And they actually had an article last week that came out, and the headline was something like, Automation Transformed How Pilots Fly Planes. Now the same must happen with cars. Must. Which, as a former journalist, I say that's headlines way too long. Clickbait. Fix that, Jalopnik. Anyways, <laughs> edit that. Um, the article basically pointed out that aviation-inspired terms like autopilot and Tesla or pro-pilot, mm, super true. cruise, all those are used to describe semi-autonomous features that are in cars nowadays. And the claim is made that automation made aviation much safer in the long run, and the same is going to be said for cars. I think that's kind of a foregone conclusion we're trying to jump to, but whatever. I get the, I get the point they're making, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You kind of take the human element out of it, you make things a little safer. In some in some ways, the trouble is right now we're in that weird semi-autonomous period. Semi, yeah, I like that. Well, it's kind of like I have a car that can somewhat park itself, yeah, somewhat, on the but, I, but I can't really turn it off, you know, or turn it on because it, I might get arrested, you know. Exactly. Or or if I get an accident, we're not sure who they're going to sue. Well, you have the Tesla autopilot that they enabled and then disabled, and yeah. you know they roll back updates and things like that. So the human factor, basically, this article says, is going to continue to screw things up because we. We don't change our behavior. Uh, we learn bad manners. We make assumptions. We rely on the 
technology like backup cameras, and then mm-hmm. we stopped looking over our shoulder. My dad used to. My dad's a retired teacher. Used to teach driver's ed. He called it swivel neck when you're backing up or something like yeah. that in the parking lot. You got to have I yelled my 15 year old about all the time. Did you, did you check? Did you look over your shoulder? Yeah. I no, did. you didn't. I looked. I saw you didn't look over your shoulder. You punk. Don't lie to me. Fortunately, there's blind spot monitors now. So you don't have to look over your shoulder. Well, yeah, you get the little, oh, the thing's not beeping, so I guess I can keep backing up. Well, you can in some areas, but you still have to be driving the car. You still have to pay attention to it. So, And I've seen people do this, too. I, I, I'm not going to name names, but a friend of mine, we were going to lunch, and he had a newer Toyota that had the backup camera. I remember he just, like, flies out of the spot, and he's just he's just staring at the center of his console there. <laughs> At the screen, and there's like some dude walking between the cars, and he just kind of like throws his hands up, like, "Hey, I, what yeah. the heck, man? Yeah. I'm here." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." He's like, "Oh, I get so spoiled with this thing. <laughs> I get so spoiled, I almost kill people. I almost ran a guy's head over. Yeah, <laughs> had to be a toilet in the Daryl. Thanks. I guess. Well, I mean, that's you know, it could be a you know. So uh, I had put a link on the Throwing Wrenches Facebook page last week, and it was uh, because there was a Bradley engineer, Sam Karat. And one of the things in the, I don't know if you saw the graphic in that article, but it was basically an inflection point type graph where it showed, you know, the level of responsibility from the manufacturer versus the owner. And the owner responsibility is dropping, 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 whereas the manufacturer responsibility is raising, raising, raising. So, I mean, ultimately it's going to come to the spot where the manufacturer and the software company are 100% responsible for this car on the road and the owner of the car isn't. So that, to me, is autopilot, right? Is that scary? Is that exciting? Is it? I think it's. You know, if everybody's on the same system, I think it's okay. And that airplanes are all in the same system. Airplanes are all loaded up in their queues, you know, to, for runways to take off and right. to land. And they and, and it, what's fun is, like, if you go to an airport and you get a nice scenic view where you can see, like, ten planes lined up in a row on a clear day. And they are so mechanically aligned, you know, by software, by design, to yeah. land on this runway and get off this runway a certain amount of time so the next plane can be landing as that guy's taxiing off. I just don't see every car 100% having this type of technology so that, yeah, maybe three cars in a row have it, and then you got one guy just driving around his 90 Celica, right. you know, <laughs> with nothing, you know, and he just crams into the rear end of your car because he wasn't paying attention. I, I don't know. I think it's an all or nothing. Yeah. And we're we're definitely far from that. Yeah, and to be able to standardize, at least with air traffic control, pilots and things like that, pilots communicate in a common language across the world. Yeah. No matter if you're in, you know, Mumbai or you're in Miami Beach, you're still going to be talking to the tower and the pilots in the same language, same terminology. Uh, That is not the case when it comes to some of these features in vehicles. And it's interesting. And, of course, the skeptical part of me is like, I don't want a computer running my car. But then I also have also been (laughs) scared to death half the the last two weeks. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if you noticed It was a full moon last week. Was it really? Yeah, I think so. Something happened. We'll say it was. It sounds better. The, full moon out? <laughs> yeah, I swear. The last two weeks, people have been driving like complete buffoons. So maybe we do need to start incorporating some of this technology in here to make people behave and stop killing each other and doing stupid stuff. Well, so, I mean, this uh, Elon has been railing against LiDAR, but that's a technology that some auto manufacturers, and I think autonom- autonomous cars are more than they're talking about using LiDAR. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, it's kind of a proximity radar in around you, so you know if your car should stop or accelerate or whatever. Uh, but, you know, some other manufacturers like Tesla are talking about using just cameras and sensors so they can avoid LiDAR because they think it's uh, overused technology. Um, but then there's also the manufacturer I work for. He, they're talking about having Bluetooth communicating cars that actually will sense where each other's locations are at, and they'll keep them at a certain proximity on the interstate. Hmm. I mean, it's all these different technologies that are rolling out. 
But the thing is, we get back to the old car on the road. So Right. You've got a nice new car with all that high-tech stuff, yeah. and homie next to you is driving an 82 <laughs> F-150. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, How do you share the road? Well, I mean, do we get in the situation? Something's going to happen. At some point, the, the, the feds, the auto manufacturers, somebody, they're going to make it so that you can't afford to put that regular car. And this goes back to like episode one of the show. Right. Uh, they, they're going to make it so you can't afford to have that old car on the road. Yeah, they'll legislate it out. Yeah, they will. I, th- I think that's happening. It, it's gonna. If you want to drive the interstate, you have to have a car that's compliant with the, this capability. Which that's a fair enough statement. I mean, that's what we do for aviation. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be flying a plane, I'm sure you have to have all that same capability. You can't just fly some kind of a DC three into the middle of all these planes. Right. <laughs> fly your ultralight into downtown Manhattan. Yeah, see yeah. how that goes. So no, um, we're gonna we're gonna watch a transformation. You know, as, as we roll into uh, 2030 is the focal point for all these manufacturers. So. Uh, as we cross into 2020 here in another year. Yeah. It'll be fun to see how things go the next 10 years. It's moral of this story, the takeaway here, thanks for screwing it up, humans. <laughs> All right, back to you, Eric. We got uh, some, some other That's news. the international news. All right. Yeah. Well, this is more international news, but I made it national because uh, Mercedes-Benz is going to end the smart sales in the Canada and the United States. So I guess it's international meets national news. And that is the smart car, if you're not familiar with this. Uh, it says Mercedes... This is... Uh, from autonews.com. Mercedes-Benz will discontinue sales of its full electric smart brand in the U.S. and Canada. It's blaming the declining microcar market in the U.S. and Canada combined with its high homologation costs. Homologation? I don't even know what that means. I've heard it for racing. I, I, yeah, I don't know what <laughs> phrase they're using that. I should have looked here. it up in, in, in the pre-show. Anyway, uh, this is funny. The, the sales fell 6.3% last year. To just 345 units in 2018. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, it's it, not a lot. No, it's not. And it plunged the previous year 58% from a high of 1,200 cars. Um, I think I didn't realize that they went to all electric on the smart vehicles. I think, they, I think that happened quietly, and I think maybe it happened earlier in Europe. I think the ones that we get here in North America, I think, are probably a little behind the times. Oh, yeah. I, I felt like smart was always just kind of a – I felt like it had a big push. You know, everything gets a big push at first. Right. Uh, and I, I, when I was in Europe years ago, like a decade ago, uh, we rented a, a two-by-two, which was a four-door sedan of the smart car. And it, it was cool. And, and actually, they were all over the place. Uh, you'd see them. You'd see them. Well, actually, we were in Europe a couple times. But you'd see them everywhere. And if you're in Rome, if you're in London, I mean, this is a smart car, smart, huh, uh, to drive around because it's small. I mean, right. if, you, if you've driven in Rome or you've been in Italy and you watch these people with scooters, oh, my God, it's like a... You know they're all they're all ready to die at any given moment. Right. Uh, so the smaller the car, the better to get around traffic. But uh, the United States never really seemed to latch onto that. And they had convertibles over there. They had the little little coupes. I think we got the coupes here. We never got the four by four because if somebody got hit from behind in that car, they'd die in the back yeah, seat. Yeah, I know they had that like safety cage, whatever. But it just I don't think it was it was a tough sell yeah. because when you see one of those at an intersection in Chicago or St. Louis or wherever, yeah. I think there's a couple I saw here, like two, two of them. You would see it at an intersection next to, like, you know, Silverado or Dodge Ram. You're like, how do you even, not just from the safety aspect, but how do you see over them? If you're in traffic behind there and somebody's in front of you with a van or something like that, you really can't see. Plus, I think the other thing that killed them, not to totally armchair quarterback these things, I remember reading the literature because when they came out here to the States, my wife was driving to Bloomington every day. She's like, well, I'm driving, you know, however many miles it is. I need something that's good on gas. Let's, let's look at a smart car. And I looked at the literature and stuff, and it was like 40 miles per gallon, 38 to 43, something yeah, like that. Yeah. 
you could get a Corolla or a Cruze or a Focus that would do something close to that with much more room, much more amenities, and about the, sa- about the same price, and yeah. and have a dealer that could service it. Because as I recall, these cars were uh, only in Chicago or St. Louis. Kind of right. know, the way everything rolls out here in the Midwest is always Chicago, St. Louis, Chicago, St. Louis. If whether yeah. you had a, a Fiat. Whether you had a Mini Cooper, you know, it's always all these cars always start out in Chicago and St. Louis. If you're lucky, a local dealer will pick up the franchise if it, you know, if it goes on. Yeah, if you have so, a water pump or something, go out in your smart car in Galesburg. Good luck. Yeah, have a nice day. Yeah, <laughs> you could fix it yourself and send Mercedes a receipt. And, Good. And, yeah. So, uh, so I, the car will still be available in Europe. That's fine. It's electric only brand, so it'd be interesting to see if Mercedes even keeps up with it because. Frankly, you know, all these brands are going to their own EV cars anyway, so what's the point of keeping that little thing around other than the novelty of the chassis? And that yeah. novelty wears off after so long. There's only so many things you can do with that that shape, that little wedge. Yeah, it was, it was cute. If I had, I don't know. Uh, it's not even cute like a beetle. It's just no. Kinda, my barber has one. Uh, he, my barber might listen to this, Tim, uh, down in Pekin. He, he's always had interesting cars. Right now, he's, he's a car guy, yeah. He's a Scion XB right now. He had a, he had a Jeep Wrangler 4, which he had an Instagram page for. Is this the barber that's got the, the old VW bus out front? No. There's one. Oh, that's East Peoria. Never mind. No. Okay, no. Uh, but no, Tim's down Jake's place down in Pekin. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but, and then he had the... Uh, the this thing before he's always had weird cars and i think sometimes people just i mean it's it's the same thing about you know the clothes you wear it's your individuality you know your haircut sure uh sometimes a car is a statement yeah. and it's kind of cool that you know a sign or not a sign but a, a smart car could be a statement car like that but unfortunately those are becoming fewer and far between that you know the statement cars are think think about right now all the cars that are for sale you know, and can is there one that's so unique? You're like, oh yeah, this one fits my style, or, yeah. or I want to be, a, you know, counterculture. It's getting it's fewer getting harder. and hard between. Yeah, it's it's not there. Maybe the Nissan Cube, if they even make that anymore. My sister had one of those. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of looked at them when they came out, and I'm yeah. like, mm, nah. I'm like, it was quirky and cool, yeah. but well, and even that uh, the Kia with the gerbils jumping around. You know, I think yeah. that th- thing was kind of had its unique style. You know, it was definitely counterculture, but even that thing now is like a. It's like a mid-sized SUV, and I don't think it's it's not none of these things ever stay the way they start. You know, no. Once it becomes once it becomes popular, once it becomes mainstream, then it's not cool anymore. So we got to move on to something else. I was into the Kia. What is it? Kia Soul. I was into the Kia Soul before it was mainstream. Exactly before it was cool. Anywho, uh, all right. Next thing here. Yeah. Uh, so this goes back to autonomous cars being crapped, crammed up, crapped up our tailpipe. Sorry. It's <laughs> a PG show. I think, I think that word still qualifies it, as it PG. It works. It works. Uh, according to Forbes.com, this is uh, contributor Lance Elliott, which I always love these online articles because I wonder if Lance Elliott uh, has any relationship with Forbes at all. Forbes at all, or if he just wrote this article and Forbes picked it up. Hard to say. Probably. They gave, they gave him a gift card to Starbucks. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Lance. Anyway, the headline of the article is, Rack em up. Driverless cars surprisingly will be a boon for the repair market. Um, and I thought that was actually an interesting headline, so I kind of dug into it a little bit more. And um, Can I just ask, what is a boon? I know people use that reference. Hmm. Google, we can like Google it. I'm going to. Bad show Along prep. Homologation. <laughs> <laughs> bad show prep. That's what that is. Expanding my vocabulary. So okay. he does. He uses a lot of eyes and this and that. But anyway, he says, I realize many would be shocked to think that in the advent of the driverless car, we could actually help the auto repair volume since prevailing wisdom is that it would have an opposite effect. So he has two examples here, and I think they're valid. That's the reason I shared it with the show. 
Uh, one was that uh, self-driving cars are bound to get more miles than a traditional car. Hmm. A lot more miles because each day driving all along what happens to a car that gets tons of miles uh, it needs lots of repairs. Wear and tear in the law of physics, no matter how good the AI is on the autonomous car, it still is a car. It, this was uh, an interesting perspective to me because there's people who are going to do the um, – it's not Turo. It's kind of like Turo. Like rent their car out. Yeah, exactly. Of. So – uh, in in the ride sharing world, you know where you basically drive your car to work and then you park it and then you let somebody else take it for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that car is actually being used; it's being utilized. Whereas if it's parked in a parking lot, no utilization. Yeah, you know, so you're driving it two hours a day. Well, in the in this world coming up, if a car can drive itself, there's no driver. This car could potentially be on the road for twenty twenty four hours a day, like a plane. Yeah, exactly. So that is potentially more repair. Potential. We didn't. You know, I should have put the article about the uh, the Lyft service centers in there too, because that actually leads into this. Oh, okay. Uh, the other thing was, and he brought this up, was the my rate of additional sensors, multiple cameras, the radar units, the ultrasonic, the lidar. Uh, all this stuff is going to break down, and it is super expensive. Mm. Um, yeah. There's upward of a do- several dozen high tech sensors, which suggests the chances of sensor failure and sensor replacements are going to be high. I can guarantee you this: a broken windshield, even on a new car. It's a big deal. Have you dealt with that at all? Yeah. Well, not new. Well, I'll take that back. Our Jeep Patriot, uh, we had to have that done. It was like 400 bucks or whatever. Yeah. But... Uh, try twelve and $1,300 on these newer cars. For real? Yeah. And then three and $400 for programming the, or, or recalibrating the sensors and the cameras. It's unbelievable. It's only going to get worse. And wow. that raises the price of your insurance. You know, Collision. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. That. Collision it's... comprehensive. Yeah, your old windshield policy where you had a fifty dollar deductible, that's not gonna happen anymore. You're gonna have a five hundred dollar deductible on your windshield. So this is uh this is bleeding edge stuff. I so I, I think he's he's correct in some way, and I think it's something to watch on. When when you go buy a new car and, yeah. and it says, Oh yeah, we got lane departure, we got this, we got that. Just be aware that the next time you have a rock chip in the windshield, get that thing fixed right now because yeah. you're gonna end up spending a bunch of money on a windshield if it comes down to it. I think that's that's good advice because everybody still has their mindset. Oh, windshield's two three hundred bucks. No, not anymore. No, not going to happen. I but, had a little fender bender in the parking lot. I got to get the bumper fixed. That's that's not a five hundred dollar repair anymore. No, and this is literally just stuff just right now. I mean, you could have a car that's a twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen that has none of this technology, and then a car that's just a year old. All of a sudden, everything's like three times more expensive. So, well, the interesting part too is that you used to be able to have this equipment in the real high end cars, the yeah. mid grade stuff. It'd be an option, yeah. And then the low end stuff, like I don't have that, but oh. I don't need it. Yeah. Now every car is coming a, with it. Yeah, it's in a Rav Four, it's in a Corolla, you know. Yeah. So I have to imagine it's in an Altima, it's in you know yep. a, a Cobalt or whatever whatever Chevy makes these days. It's got this stuff. So yep. anyway, so interesting article. Uh, read up on it, at Forbes.com. Pretty cool stuff. Speaking of technology. <laughs> Jeff Bezos in your trunk. That's right. He, uh, probably, I don't know if we touched on this earlier. But you might have read something about it. I think this is actually rolling out right now. Uh, headline is, is the guy breaking into your car? Nope, it's just Amazon. Ford is partnering with Amazon. Uh, and this is according to a press release from Ford. So it must be true. Must be. <laughs> They're going to actually allow Amazon package deliveries for Prime members to your vehicle 
when you're not at home or in your car. So if you have in-car connectivity with, I don't know if they call, it's the Microsoft Sync or whatever Ford's. Yeah, whatever service they're using. There's an app that you're calling Key, and it's a joint venture between Ford and Amazon where your daily driver becomes basically a safe alternative delivery location. So if you're at work and you don't want your package of you know Christmas gifts going at home and having somebody steal it off your porch or your landlady you know puts it behind her lock and key, you can actually have them drop it off in your car while you're, you know, working or taking the kids somewhere or whatever. Should be able to roll out here soon to the U.S. for Ford's 2017 and newer and Lincoln Models 2018 and newer. Not quite sure why they wouldn't share the same stuff, but whatever. Yeah. Um, they're also rolling out things like a mobile car wash this service. This is great. So, yeah, so you're standing there at work and you're looking out the window and all of a sudden you see somebody's car. Like somebody <laughs> rolls up and starts washing their car yeah. out in the middle of the park. Like, what the hell is that? What? Where's my car wash? Well, I got Spiffy to come out here and do my, you know. That's right. They got cool names. Uh, yeah. Sparkle. Sparkle. Rub-a-dub. <laughs> Rub-a-dub is in Chicago. And Spiffy. Yeah. And and Sparkle, of course, is spelled hipster-like. S-P-A-R-K-L. Yeah, yeah. Too cool for the E. Oh but, uh, yeah, that's going to roll out here in cities like Atlanta, L.A., Charlotte, Raleigh, Durham, uh, all kinds of stuff yeah, like this. Peoria should be the test market for all this stuff. You know, Dude, if it, if, it play, if it plays in Peoria, it's going to play all over the country, right? Anybody who used to sell retail here said, oh, we were uh, always a test market yeah. for, you know, weird cereals. <laughs> I remember seeing, like, some bananas, <laughs> Cheerios flavor with chocolate and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck is this? Oh, it's a test market cereal. Yeah. It's crap. Um, so interesting though my take on this I, I think the tech is cool and after having a couple things taken from my front porch I, I totally seriously yeah well it's been a while but yes yeah. as is you know everybody's had issues with stuff getting delivered or not delivered right mm -hmm. I, I think it's a cool idea I'm just one of those people who's real skeptical about people in my stuff when I'm not there Darryl, that's why I don't have a cleaning Darryl, person that's Darryl. why I don't have I, I'm just I, I have nothing for everybody to take. I really, there's nothing. No. Just what it, it would make you happier to take my stuff than just whatever, you know. <laughs> you come home and half your roast turkey's yeah. gone. I got, or... My TV is. I bought my my big TV like five years ago, so it weighs three hundred pounds. So if you really want to put that much effort into it, you know, you could take it. You know, and my wife has a little bit of jewelry, but it's not much either. So, no, yeah, okay. it's really. Do you get any you, Pringles? Yeah, I mean, steal some Pringles yeah, or something. Yeah, I mean, you'd really have to work hard to find something to steal. <laughs> <laughs> Leftovers. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, it's neat neat stuff. We'll see what happens. Uh, I probably will not be subscribing to that service. Yeah. I, no, so the Amazon thing's been uh, trunk delivery is what they called it. And I think they came out with this like a year or two ago. I never really heard about it in the Peoria area. And I'm not sure how it works. I think you have to have like access codes to get in some newer cars' trunks. I thought GM had it uh, probably through OnStar. And, yeah. and so I'm sure Ford has a similar service. Um, I think this is a metro thing. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a huge thing around here, but... It's just another. It's another way for commerce. This is one more nail in the coffin of retail. You know, I didn't even think of that <laughs> yeah. connection, but yeah, yeah you're absolutely yeah. This right. This is just one more way that you're not going to go to the local local store to buy some. You're not going to go to the auto parts store because you're going to have the oil delivered to the trunk of your car with Amazon oil right. or whatever. It's and I get in and I go home. I don't yeah. have to make any other stops. And is there? I mean, this is this is progress in some way. So you know. It's it's more Is convenient. It air, air quotes around progress. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. This it's a brave new world, Daryl. So it'd be interesting to see where this goes. You know, it, it's it's make a pizza delivery. It's inevitable. Now we'll talk. I yeah. Mean, if you, yeah, you're talking about putting <laughs> some dominoes in my trunk. That's a whole other story. <laughs> I feel it'd be Grubhub trunk delivery or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, I thought you said noon. 
<laughs> Stuff's been sitting in your trunk exactly. overnight. Flies buzzing all around. Is that feta cheese? Oh, yeah. great. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So, Daryl, I, I watched the Facebook page this week, and you posted some yeah. pictures. It looked like you had like a, a cool little run this weekend. What was going on? Yeah. Went with my car club folks. I'm in the Illinois Valley Antique Auto Club, which is also on Facebook. Check us out. Uh, it's a fun little club. Mostly older dudes, but uh, a nice mix of folks who are into antique and classic vehicles. And uh, we did a little spring tour. We did some stuff around old Route 66 through McLean. There's a pinball and arcade museum there that's really cool. Highly recommend that. Stopped in Atlanta. There's some cool shops there. Uh, there's a place called the Palms Grill, which is like straight out of 1926. And, and you go in there and it's like patty melts and burgers and, you know, your typical diner yeah, fare. Yeah, cool. It was fun. So while we were driving through uh, one of the towns on the way, and I'll, I'll protect this guy's identity because, you know, I'm, I just try to be cool about it. All right. Be cool, Daryl. Be cool. Uh, be real cool. All right, so we're driving through one of these small towns, and uh, one of my friends in the group notices a, a, a car trailer, car hauler, for sale. And the next day he goes, hey, I want to go back and look at this trailer. I want to get something a little beefier. He's got one with, like, wood slats and oh, stuff. Oh, sure. So he wants, like, a steel deck one, real yeah. nice. And this thing was older, but diamond plate and a pretty good price. So we went out there and rode out there. And on the way there, there's this cool uh, house and three-car garage, and there's usually... I've been through this town before. There's usually some old vehicle of something sitting in the driveway. Okay. There wasn't anything in the driveway, but this time the garage door was open, and there's an old Ford sitting in there with a for sale sign, 36 Ford. And so, Old Ford. Not old. Old, old Ford. Not yeah. like 60s or 50s now. This is like, like mid-30s. Like 90 years old Ford. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we, he makes the deal on the trailer. We, he gets all that set up and everything, and the guy's got to go to the bank, get the title and all that. So he's like, I'll come back another day. But, hey, did you see that old Ford in that garage? I'm like, yeah. So we're going to spin around and check it out. And this is where my buddy, and I'll I'll keep his identity private here too, because he's... God, man, there's a lot of secrets in well, this group. Is there like an initiation process? No. I mean, no. All right. It's not like that. There's no secret handshake <laughs> or anything. Assume the position. Right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? So we go through and uh, park in front of this dude's house, and, and I'm, I grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. I'm more of a city guy. If you're walking on somebody's property without their permission, I'm afraid you're going to either get shot or somebody's going to call the cops or whatever, tase you, whatever. We're from different planets, Daryl. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to go and find out what the deal with his car is. Yeah. So we walk up there, knock on the door, and he's like, hey, come on in. Guy just lets us in like we were like old cousins. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we noticed your old Ford in there. And uh, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, come on in. So we come in the house. And the guy, we start talking, you know, hey, we're into old cars, we're in this car club, and we were yeah. just here on this tour last weekend. And he starts showing us not only his car collection, but his collection of uranium glass, which I didn't know was a thing. I'd never heard of that. It's some sort of glass, depression glass, that glows green when you hit it with a black light. Oh. Because it has some weird, probably uranium. that kill you. <laughs> yeah. It's... You're around too much of it, you have lip cancer, you know, you're <laughs> from drinking things out of it. Exactly. Yeah. That's actually what that glass you're drinking out Thanks, of right now Daryl. Yeah. It's nice knowing you. So he shows us that. He's got some cool artwork, some old architectural kind of salvage, you know, neat things from like the turn of the century. And then we see his collection. He's got a, he's got that. He's got an old Packard in the garage. He's got some old gas pumps and stuff. And he goes, get in the car and let's go look at my other garage. So we go drive down the street and he's got this whole other building just full of like... In Atlanta? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no. It's a town that starts with an L and ends with Exington. Anyways, 
So Dude, there's a great bar up there anyway. So. Yes, there is. Yeah. Just down the street. Yeah, there is. Okay. Which is the only reason I know that town very well. <laughs> Kemp's Upper Tap. Shout yeah. out to that. Jonathan Kemp does a great job. Anyways, so he takes us on the nickel tour, his place there in his collection. It's British cars. It's old Model T speedsters. Oh, my God. It's trucks. It's roadsters from the 30s, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Bottom line is I came this close to probably spending too much money and taking out a loan to buy one of his. Because, again, he's one of those guys who uh, I'm not really looking to sell anything, but everything's for sale, and here's what I want for it. Yeah, it's like when Pickers shows up, well, you know, I'm not really selling anything. Right, and then, uh, right. then uh, what, what's the one guy's name, the little, the little Frank. Sweat, once Frank gets in there gets his one purchase, <laughs> Frank's got him opened up. Super cool. Bottom line is I think my buddy is going to end up buying one of his things the guy was selling. But it was a good reminder, and my dad's of this age where he's he's in his late 60s, and it's kind of like, I got all this cool stuff. What am I doing with all of it? And I think that's a good reminder for all of us who collect a lot of things or have multiple hobbies. It's all it's cool. And by by no means am I saying you shouldn't do what you want to do. Go buy stuff, collect things, be an expert on whatever you want to learn. But eventually, you'll get to a point where it's like I I am not going to use all this crap. Yeah. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. So at least you got kids. You can be like, hey, it's your problem. I'll pawn it off on them. Yeah, <laughs> right. maybe. I'm hoping to become a Swedish minimalist by the time you know my kids uh, inherit my crap. We'll see how that works. Just out. live in like this modern little hut out in this. <laughs> There'll just be one utilitarian chair with a, a nice piece of birch uh, birch table in front of it, and <laughs> a flat screen TV on the wall, and an iPad. I'll be good. That's all I need. What a rich life. What a rich yeah, life. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. No, that's a great story, and uh, I I think it does hark back to like this whole Americana thing that uh, we always forgets out there. And, Certainly, Lexington, Illinois, is the heart. You know yeah. that 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 is typical Central Illinois. It's good to know there's people out there that would roll out the red carpet to just flat out strangers like you who are scared of everybody. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, um, Eric. I hate to ask what time it is because I think I know the answer. Oh yeah, you know it's coming. Yeah. What uh, what what time is it? It's time for the moment of Musk. Musk. I think that Musk part gets uh, removed on there. I don't know what does that it? is. Do you want to try it again? Yeah, let's try it again. All right, hold on. Let's. I think we did sixteen before. Okay, go ahead. It's time, it's time for, the for the moment of, of Musk. Musk. Oh, God, that time. That time. <laughs> All right. As reported today on CNBC, Citigroup and Goldman Sachs were underwriting Tesla's latest effort to bring in two billion dollars in new funds held a broad investor call, and CEO Elon Musk was on there, and he answered the broker's questions about their plans for the new elect- for electric car maker's uh, business coming up. According to two of the invitees who were on this call, Musk talked about Tesla's self-driving strategy right off the bat, expanding what other execs said in a recent event that investors in the company dubbed the Autonomy Day. Musk confidently told investors that the call to autonomous driving will transform Tesla into a company with a five hundred billion dollar market cap its current cap is 42 billion dollars mm. so that'd be over 10 times you know where they're at right now he also said that the existing teslas will increase in value because self-driving capabilities added to these cars via software will make them worth as much as two hundred and fifty thousand dollars within three years so the short on that is buy a tesla for tomorrow kids they'll increase in value and that, and that, that is your is moment, your of, moment musk. of musk 
Elon's always shooting his mouth off, and I was going to make this one about the SEC saying these are the things you can tweet. Yeah, but this was actually car related, so maybe we can talk about that next time. I, and, uh, <laughs> does anything increase in value nowadays? Uh, gold coins, I think maybe. Yeah, but that's only because <laughs> Alex Jones told you that. <laughs> Honestly, though, nothing I've bought in the last forever. I mean, I buy crap, old crap, but nothing new. Oh, this will go up in value, or this is this is going to be worth a lot someday. Yeah, ten, twenty years from now, not. I think every it, so if you want to maintain and you want to save something for as long as it takes for it to increase in value, I think if you figured out if you were just to put that money in the market, you probably would have made the same money. Probably would have done just fine. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. There are some things that you just would have got lucky on. You know, you never beanie babies. Oh. Yeah, right. Those all fell down again. But uh, yeah, and I know. And I'm not going to explain that whole story. Anyway, uh, but a Mark IV Supra is the one I always go back to because it's the one I know about. Yeah, yeah. Could, could have paid thirty nine thousand dollars for that car back in uh, 1997, and then turned it around right now and made one hundred and fifty thousand on it. But again, if you had forty thousand dollars back in 1997, you put it in a CD or something. Or yeah, who's whatever. to say it wouldn't it be worth just as much? And then you saved yourself the headache of worry about tires. Set this car in a spot where the paint isn't getting screwed up. I mean, there's all these different variables. So you probably would have invested money to get that thing to turn over the money it, it took. So right. I don't know. Um, you see those guys, too, like Ferraris or Jaguar XJ220s. Like, oh, I've had this for years, but I'm getting it ready to sell. So yeah. they they dump in like twenty grand to do like an engine-out service and replace all the tires and all that yeah. just to get it to sell so some other idiot can put it in a basically a cocoon for another 30 years. I don't understand that. All but. the while, the seal's dry and right. crack and <laughs> road. Yeah. The thing wouldn't make it up the trailer without breaking down. <laughs> Whatever. Um, no, I don't think... I, I mean, I can understand that the car may have an, an appreciable value because it has the, the auto driving. And going back to our previous conversation, we didn't plan this, folks. Uh, if the the law is set so you have to have an autonomous car to get on the interstate. Mm. So possibly this car is worth more in value than another car that you bought today that didn't have this technology. Because in it. it's future proof. It's yeah, compliant. Exa- yeah. But, but this goes back to, again, getting back to episode one, episode two, you know, and this goes back to rich rebuilds things. That video we talked about back on episode two or three, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Tesla can flip the car off just as much as it can flip it on the technology. It can decide just like an Apple iPod or iPad that the car is no longer software worthy or update worthy, and the car is basically sure. a morphodite. So, power, power so, it down. Yeah, so have fun with that. I, I think the risk, I, I don't know what the risk and the reward you know, measure out, but uh, the only way we'll know, Daryl, is by time. So if you want to buy a Tesla, put it in a time capsule. Yeah. yeah. Well, kind of like that Tesla or that uh, time capsule with the Cadillac that got buried in the ground, and then remember they pulled out. Oh, the Plymouth. Yeah, it was a 57 Plymouth. Yeah, in Tulsa. Yeah, and it pulled, I think somebody finally is starting to restore that car, but it's like every panel. Oh yeah, come on, is is roached. They probably could have found a car in Arizona that you know that matched it and had a better time renovating. But anyway, yeah, that nice idea, not so good in real life. Shout out to that rich rebuilds things though. Um, so that guy was just on the Joe Rogan podcast, which I thought was ironic because Elon Musk was on there less than like twenty or thirty episodes ago. But rich rebuilds everything. He has a great video. Uh, we linked to it previously on another show. Um, he basically bought a Tesla that had been washed out. It was a flood car and it was salvage title. And he tried to rebuild that car and he tried to get Tesla to help him out with it. Not so much help him. He just wanted to buy spare parts and Tesla put the roadblocks up. And so this guy is going around the nation trying to find, you know, bits and pieces. And as he does this, he's finding more and more people doing this. And also on the Joe Rogan podcast, 
the little bits I've heard before they got onto some other weird subjects, which Rogan's <laughs> known to do. Um, but there's people dropping Tesla motors and Tesla batteries into oddball cars. And I, I yeah. think this is going to be something I want, to, I want to start looking into. I want to see what people are actually building with the Tesla drivetrain. Because what are we talking about here? We're talking about two electric motors and a battery. Right. And, right. A, and a control unit. And if I can get a stomp on an accelerator and stop on a brake pedal, I have a car that I can have a ton of fun with. So I think there was an old Honda Civic or CRX or something where somebody did that too. Well, did it. you watch Fastest Car on Netflix? No, I know. And been somebody had to. somebody had a Honda electric Honda on there. Did they? And I'm not going to spoil what happens, but uh, they okay. they were not worthy. No, Let's just put it that way. Didn't it's, didn't cut the mustard. No, no, but it was it was totally fun to watch because when they hopped on the pedal in the drag strip, you just heard <laughs> just <laughs> took off. <laughs> I do love seeing stuff like that. The electric motors with all that torque in, in a light enough chassis yeah. dominate. Just yeah. dominate. Yeah, totally fun. All right. So it is now the time where we kind of go off off the script a little bit and uh, riff on something that might be interesting or irritating. Even though it's scripted a little even bit. Though it's, some, it's, it's an outline. <laughs> we got a little improv here. Uh, I typically have something that's in my craw, and I usually rant and rave about it. I'm pretty even keel. I'm trying to work on my anger, Eric. Uh, yeah. So I I get, well, that. I think uh, meeting new people this week was probably good for you. I think it was. It was a good outlet. Kind of brought the cup you know, half full this, for, you know, this, this week. Yeah, I've also taken up painting. Have you? Some watercolors. All right, Churchill. No, I'm just kidding. What do you got to talk about this week? Because I think you got something that kind of set you off a little bit. It irritated me. It irritated me so much that I almost want to argue with a customer, and I don't normally do that. You know, the customer is always right, Daryl, until they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had this gal. She called me this week, and she she had serviced under a car, and she just flipped out on the service advisor because she was upset that she had to pay for the bill. And And it was her first service past the free maintenance. Well, she misunderstood her maintenance plan. Okay, that's fine. I understand. It happens. Uh, so we talked, and um, so we're talking candidly. You know, I'm talking to the customers. That's what I do. I just want to make sure everything's good. I want to make sure she leaves on a good impression. And she says to me, as if as if I'm going to understand this statement and, and, and take it for face value and appreciate it. She says, oh, and I quote, and this is in quotes, oh, if I would have known that the free services were over, I would have never come back to the dealership. Wow. Wow. Oh my God! I, there had to be a moment of silence. There had to be a pause. I, I was on the phone with her, and he, he, here's the thing: I understand. I understand where this is coming from. I understand the logic. I understand the psyche. I understand so much about this. But I did have to come back at her. I said, "You know, I've done the price checks. We're not that far out of line. Actually, mm-hmm. we're not out of line at all. Yeah. Uh, if you go to to the local big box store and you ask for the premium synthetic service, I'm cheaper all day long. Sure. You know? So what what kills me? is this perception that the dealership is uh, more expensive. And I'm not saying there aren't some dealerships that are more expensive, you know, whatever, uh, but I think it's competitive. And I think that the dealerships have a vested interest to bring you back into the store because my owner of the dealership wants you to buy another car. He wants right. you to keep coming back for service. He wants you to come back with a smile on your face. The last thing we're, we're trying to do is fleece you as you come in. Say, ha-ha, we'll never see that guy again. That's all not... about a good experience. Absolutely. If you have a good experience getting an oil change, well, hey, maybe uh, if I need some service done, I'll go here and I'll have the same experience. Maybe if I buy my next car here, I'll, I'll be happy as well. Yeah. You, it, you hit the nail on the head. It's all about keeping that customer happy throughout the journey. Yeah. And 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 let's face it. I mean, cars don't always make people happy. So if there's a repair that's needed to be done, if there's something wrong with a car... You know, our job is to try and make it as palatable as possible. Uh, we're not a charity when we're trying to make money at the same time. Right, but right. but at the same time, we have got to try and make sure that the customers want to come back and buy another, another in our example, a Toyota. Um, so what I, 
like I said, I understand where she's coming from. It just, it irritated him. I'm like, oh my god, I think the hackles <laughs> on my neck were like. Um, but I did stroke. Yeah, I did do a quick internet search on it. I was talking about independent auto shops versus dealerships, and there was an interesting study that came out in 2016 on Consumer Reports that said 70 percent of customers prefer to go to an independent shop, whereas 30 hmm. percent go to their dealership for repairs. I don't know. That seems awful high. Yeah, when when I look at the numbers from our manufacturer as far as how that goes, that's not the case, and I mm. and I. And I'm not going to lean too hard on, on my manufacturer numbers, but we talked about this pre-show. If you have a high-technology car, whether it's a Tesla or um, let's, just, let's just say you have a high-end BMW or Mercedes or an Audi, mm-hmm. um, are you trusting you know big R's? You know, big R's is another story. They don't they don't have oil. big yeah, big yeah. G's. Are you trusting <laughs> big G's oil change shop? You know t- to do an oil change on your car? I don't think you are. So, again, I, I think that the dealerships have a vested interest to make sure you're happy and you want to buy another one of that, that product. So sure. I think that this this perception, you know, boy, it, it seems really tough. I suppose if I bought a new GM car, I would feel like, you know, I bought a Tahoe. This Tahoe is not that much different than the last Tahoe. But I think even those manufacturers, as we get further into this technology cycle, I think it's yeah. going to be a little a little harder to swallow taking it over to the big box store for the oil change and assume everything's perfect. I, I would agree with that. And I also, not to slight the independent auto repair shop, because places like Coffin Meyer yeah. do a fantastic and job. I send cars to them all the time. Yeah, they're super specialized in, in you know European stuff, but you know they've been around a long time. They get it. Uh, it's not a slight against them, but we were talking before the show, there is so much high-tech stuff that goes into the cars nowadays that you almost... You can't be an expert in every single one of them. Yeah. Back in the day, it's like, oh, I'm into German cars. Well, they all ran Bosch Electronics. They all ran a similar fuel injection system. They all ran... I mean, you, you kind of... If you worked on Mercedes, you know, guy on a VW Rabbit comes in. Yeah, okay. It's pretty similar. I can, I can handle this. They're all different. I know that. But <laughs> but there's, there's a common thread, yeah. thread there. That's not the same anymore. No. It's completely different, and I think we need to kind of recognize that. And if you're if you're of that generation where you kind of think that way, you need to reframe your thinking. And it's not to say you're a dinosaur. It's just to say that the, the cars have evolved, the tech's evolved, and the servicing of those has evolved as well. And there's so much money in these things now. Even a smaller SUV, you know, you're talking midsize something for 40, 45, 50 grand. Oh, yeah. A lot of money wrapped up in that. Yeah. You want to make sure it's preserved. Yeah, starter SUV now is 35 grand. It's it's crazy. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it, this gets into this conversation you and I had earlier about uh, what will people, are they willing to do for themselves? I mean, the DIYs. Mm, yeah. uh, these newer cars are not DIY friendly. And, you know, frankly, we were talking about this, you know, people don't even cook for themselves anymore. You know, the, the, the fast food restaurants are chock full. True. Uh, people aren't going to be buying car parts, aren't going to be buying food. You know, we're in a weird, weird cycle. So, I, again. It is that weird. It's, it's a weird in between, right? We, yeah, we're definitely there. Uh, so, again, getting back to that whole thing, well, I would have never come back to the dealership because I know it's more expensive. <laughs> Listen, lady, I, you know, God bless you. And also, we're, you know, I, I had to go into this whole value sell, but uh, we're not. No, that's just a perception, but it is what it is, and uh, it it was stuck in there, and that's uh, where I'm going to leave it, Daryl. <laughs> I want to throw this out here. This is a public service announcement to everybody, and I've been guilty of it as well over the the years. I've gotten away from it. Let's get out of the mindset that every dealer, every salesperson, every mechanic, any contractor is out to screw you over. We need to stop that. Somewhere along the line, some people had some bad experiences, or dare I say it, 
back in the day, some dudes probably took advantage of some housewives, some women, single women, things like that, because they didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And that happened. I'm sure it did. That's not the case anymore. Nobody gets away with some of this stuff. And if you do have a bad experience, you have such a voice as a consumer nowadays that's available to you. More so than ever before. Right. I Uh, think uh, companies even. Companies, if you – we had a bad experience at Lowe's a couple years ago getting flooring. I wrote them them an email, and within not only only like a week – I think I had the store manager, the district manager call me, and then I got a formal letter from them with a $100 gift card. Yeah. You can't get away with stuff nowadays. If you have a bad experience, the power is in the consumer's hands, and people need to stop this mentality that, oh, dealerships are super expensive. They're, they're about the same. Yeah. They're about the same depending on the market you're in. Oh, mechanics, they're out to screw you over. You're always going to get, you know, you always got to question everything. I want my used parts back in a bag. <laughs> I get that, too. Stop. Hey, it's cool. I mean, hey, to each their own, I understand the trust factor. Uh, but like you said, the voice is with the consumer right now. And if you're doing a crappy job, yeah, uh, it's hard to stay in business. I mean, the only guys I see that can get away with doing a crappy job and getting away with it is like a guy who installs windows or doors or something like that. And then he's gone, you know. Right. He just basically picks up and moves down to, he, <laughs> yeah. Hey, what happened to that guy who put in your cabinet? So he's in Asheville, North Carolina now. We don't know where he's at, you know. I saw him hop the Union Pacific <laughs> freighter on the way out of town. <laughs> Anybody who's got a dealership or a store, especially a brick-and-mortar store, they have a vested interest in making sure you're happy. And, and it gets right. back to our last episode with the, the shop of thieves. I mean, it just it doesn't happen. Nope. Yeah, it, it would be near impossible. Yeah, in this day and age, not happening. All right, let's talk happy thoughts. Let's, uh, let's take our segment here, the Cars of the Week segment. A lot of people say they enjoy this. This is where we take our invisible our virt- bank account. Our virtual investments. And we, we instead of buying a giant, giant, rich, fancy pants car, we buy something that's kind of quirky, weird, unique, or questionable. I don't think so. This is probably uh, for me. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump right in, Daryl. Go since for it. I was yeah. first on this one. Uh, 1988 Land Cruiser that's on uh, Bring a Trailer right now. This mm. is the two door. It's a little diesel, 2.4 liter, and it's called the LJ73. Uh, okay. Toyota had a 70 series chassis they did it for Land Cruisers. It uh, was popular uh, throughout the world, but they didn't bring it to the United States. Because that was right about the time that uh, Suzu and Suzuki's were flipping on 60 Minutes, you know, with those little side wheels, those training wheels they had yeah, back yeah. in the day. And so it was like, well, this narrow body uh, truck was not going to cut the mustard, which was a real shame because everybody else in the world got it. It's all over Australia with truck beds. It's in other parts of the country or other parts of the world, you know, with convertible tops like a Jeep Wrangler. And that's what this one here is. It was uh, imported from Spain in 2013. A guy fixed it up. And like I said, with this little diesel motor and the pop-off white roof. It's got a little roll bar in there, and you can remove the front doors and flip down the front windshield. This is like my dream car. This is like the one that I told my wife. Of course, I said that about the Celica, too. So I I don't know. I got a lot of dream cars. But, you know, if I had to pack my uh, garage with mid-'80s Toyotas, I definitely have a list. Um, This is a car, because of the little diesel and because of the drivetrain and and the Land Cruiser durability, you could probably do it as a daily driver for the next five years and literally spend nothing on the car. Just have a stinky diesel fuel coming out your tailpipe. Uh, and rattle, me. rattle down the road, but <laughs> there is nothing more fun than these things. I've seen them on the trail. I've, I've wheeled with them over at the Badlands a couple of years ago. A friend of mine had one, uh, Joe from Bradley, and I watched that thing slip into some stuff. I'm like he'll never get out of that. And he was on pizza cutter tires, just rolled right out. I'm like, and he had the diesel too, and I was like, that thing has no guts, no power. Yeah, doot, 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 got right on out. No you know? kidding. Yeah. So uh, this this is where I feel like Toyota, you know, 
again, I love my manufacturer, but uh, I feel like where they kind of lost the United States. When I see Wranglers and I see these, uh, yeah. the Gladiator and these other different models, they're not better trucks by any means, but they have that removable top. Removable top is everything in, in a lot of these circuits. So, uh, you said the windshield on these fold down, right? Like a yeah, Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, these were really cool. And again, other parts of the world got them because they didn't care about safety. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you, did they make, this is another one in Spain. Uh, this one was imported from Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Land Rover, I think we saw at Cars and Coffee, was a Santana from oh, yeah. Spain. Yeah, or it was, like yeah. Is Spain a big market for now, off-road I've, vehicles? I have never, ever in my entire life seen one of these come from Spain. Now, not to say that a bunch don't come from there, but sure. the, most everything that, that comes in the shape of this uh, these LJ series and stuff like that, they're usually from like Venezuela or, or the Middle East. Okay. Or, Middle East, like uh, Saudi Arabia uh, or or south america somewhere in there you're going to see them come through there gotcha uh and because well for one thing the saudi ones are always super clean no rust right uh and they're beautiful but uh it's a lot more money to get one from there but the south american ones are super cheap kind of has some similar lines to uh oh, what was the uh, suzu trooper yeah from that same era right yeah. the flip the flip mobile yeah yeah and i remember seeing that 60 minutes or whatever the suzuki samurai yeah <laughs> that flipped over my uncle had one of those things and i think he bought it dirt cheap after that happened yeah and he took it out to his condo in Vail and just parked it like it's just a little putter around colorado little yeah. vehicle but uh yeah nobody's going to be running through a slalom course with something like that with a high center of gravity no but no. people freaked out so yeah this this thing's going for $11,000 with five days left. I'm bringing a trailer. And I have watched these, and I've watched them at uh, off-road events go for 20 to 25 So I think this is a pretty clean example, even though it's been repainted. I don't think people really care that it's been repainted on something like this. So I'll, I'll bet it brings twenty five grand if I had to guess. It's kind of got a cool 80s graphic on the side, too. Yeah, they added that. that graphic back on there. I don't know if I would have done that, but hey, whatever. Yeah. You Teach could. their own. Get a heat gun from Harbor Freight, peel it off. I don't know. He probably spent $1,000 on the graphic. <laughs> yeah, spent way too much on it. Very cool. I dig that a lot. Uh, I picked a, a decade newer almost, a 95 Bentley Continental R Coupe. <laughs> cool. And uh, these things came out, I believe, in 1991. They wrapped up production in 2003, and they were the most expensive car in the world when they came out. Uh, it's based on the SZ chassis that Rolls-Royce had at that time. But these things, the Bentleys, were loaded, and they were coupes. And they came, I think, to 271000 bucks. <laughs> Which is ridiculous because I think at the time, like a Porsche 911 Turbo was like 130 grand or something. So you could buy like a couple of those. Yeah. Were ridiculous. But they built uh, between 91. Porsches and... be worth more, Daryl. They would have appreciated it. Oh, they, easily. Yeah, this, not so much like every other British car, like Jaguars and Land Rovers, <laughs> they just plummet in value. Uh, right now, there's one on um, bringatrailer.com, and it, I think it ended today. I didn't see what it wrapped up at, but usually these things go from mid-40s to 50. This was, when I looked at it, 37.5 was the current bid. This yeah. was a 9,000-mile car. <laughs> 9,000 miles. Probably because they couldn't afford to put gas in the damn thing. No, it probably had something wrong with it. Probably an axle seal that kept leaking. Probably. It never could get it fixed. Right. Um, they were uh, most of these were black on black. What is, what is the? I mean, did you do a quick computation to drive uh, nine thousand miles and lose two hundred and forty thousand dollars? No, I didn't do the math there, but that's a lot. <laughs> How many money. dollars per mile is that? Oh man, the depreciation just hits. Even at this age, a ninety-five is coming into like the collector market pretty strong in some areas. But the price, there. We'll see what happens. I, I don't know if this is going to actually increase in value. Uh, these things ran a, a 6.75 liter V8 with a single Garrett, I don't know, so a T3 or whatever, giant turbocharger, 
and a GM 4L80E truck trans. So it was a pretty reliable motor, pretty reliable drivetrain, and it was 325 horse, which doesn't sound like that much today. It's the torque, Daryl. It's, it's the torque. 450 pound-feet of torque. So it's <laughs> I mean, you just put your foot in it and it goes. I think you're looking at probably like nine miles per gallon, but who cares? That's what personal luxury coupes are all about. This, so the ca- quick calculation on that. <laughs> Do a little math over there. Without gas. Yeah. It only cost you $28 per mile to drive that car. 28 miles. $28 per mile. Oh, $20. Did you lose $28 yeah, per mile? Yeah, yeah. Every mile you drove was $28 a car oh. cost <laughs> plus gas. That's why it's only got 9 k on it. <laughs> Oh, that's brutal. Well, no, if they would have driven more miles, they would have reduced that factor. If they would have driven 250,000 miles, it would have been a dollar a mile but uh, or whatever, you know. But Why, though? Why? Dude, it, it's so funny. These things are, like, pretty much hand-built. They're, yeah. you know, rich, awesome leather seats in them. Their whole interior is trimmed in leather. It's They're just beautiful cars. I just yeah. don't understand why they just, as soon as somebody writes that check, they're worth nothing. Yeah. This car sings of my youth in Miami. In 1991 or whatever, I lived in Miami. I worked at the Intercontinental, and... I'd see these luxury cars roll up, and I'd see the celebrities and movie stars get out of cars, and I, I just this car would be the type of car that pulled up in there, and I would have been. I mean, th- these things are massive. Like Tiger Woods would roll up. Yeah. In this. Well, back then it was uh, Wesley Snipes and, oh, okay. uh, and Ed McMahon and stuff like that. It'd be people I would see. Some some yeah. rich Florida folks. Yeah, yeah. But, well, Wesley uh, Snipes could afford it because he wasn't paying taxes. federal taxes. <laughs> That was a whole court case. I think he did some jail time. Alex Jones was right. Anyway, yeah. more Alex Jones. Good stuff, though. I, I do love that era of car, too, where everything's monochrome. Yeah. You know, like the old AMG Mercedes where everything was just, like, one color. I don't remember the Bentleys being like that, but I do like this one. I I, I really do hate that orange around the whole front fender on both sides. Yeah, the, the big signal. side marker. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Hey, how can we get a little more orange plastic on this? <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> Well, and that's the stuff that'll break, or yeah. rock chip or something, and then it's like, oh, you can only get that through Bentley or through Rolls. See, and that's the worst part about that, because you're not getting on eBay and finding that part. You're like, oh, no. I'll just get a takeoff. Yeah, I'll go to Neil's Pull Day. and uh, Yeah. 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 <laughs> pull up, Neil's pull, pull Apart? Sure. And those things, these have uh, twin calipers in each corner. Twin, Not twin piston calipers. Twin calipers, so twice the amount of brakes that go wrong. So are they like stacked next to each other? Or is there one on each side? How do those work? It's like one in front, one in back. Almost looks like brake shoes, but okay. they're just mounted. And I think that was because, like you were saying, I think the the wheels were so small they weren't running like twenty inch rims yeah. on these things back in the day. Yeah, because when you see like a modern like Vet caliper or something like that, or or some of those Nissan GTs and stuff like that, yeah, or what G, GTRs, GTRs, that, yeah, you see those massive friggin' calipers on them. Well, the wheels on this are probably a generous 15-inch or 16-inch. Right. And how big of a caliper can you throw on a 16-inch rim? But you need every square <laughs> inch of <laughs> friction material because the thing weighs about 6,000 pounds. Awesome. Yeah. Dude, that's a cool car. And I didn't see it on Bring a Trailer, but when I saw the picture of yours, I'm like, I can't compete with this. But uh, I was yeah, you can. I was happy with the Land Cruiser this week. Did, did you see that picture I sent you with that silver one? It was over at SID's. I think it was one of that era. The L, was it what LJ seventy three? Yeah, it was the four door. It was a right hand drive and with a turbo diesel badge on it. No, I didn't see that. I'll yeah. dig it up. It's in my phone. Okay, all right. I'd never seen. I'm like, this says it's a Land Cruiser, but I never, I'd never seen one because oh, yeah. they didn't make it over here in the yeah, states. I'm totally interested now. I got to see what that is. Okay, so. sweet. All right, so that's all we got for the show this week. Uh, really, there's no more. No, Daryl, we tried. All right. Yeah, I mean. Uh, well, we didn't talk about it, but tomorrow or this coming weekend is Cars and Coffee. Right. And, and there's a new venue this time. Yeah, for Friday Night Lights. 
Oh, oh, okay, I missed that one. Yeah, there's no new venue. Oh no, 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 no. Cars no. and Coffee is in the Levy District. Oh, that's right. Starting Jeez. in May here. This I this totally next blew that. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, Cars and Coffee goes to Levy District. I will not be here in town, which is unfortunate. For shame. Uh, I I was thrilled to death because uh, Northwoods Mall. That's fine. It was okay. Uh, it was really. It was a lot of wide open space, which was kind of good in some ways, but the parking lot sucked so bad. And honestly, I yeah. hate even going to the mall. So yeah. it was it wasn't that great for that. But you know, we can't ask we can't beggars can't be choosers, right? Right. The Levy District could be cool. I've always liked going to Target for uh, Bryant Lights. Uh, I do like the fact that he's somehow managed to get that whole road locked off that yeah, morning. Yeah, Washington or whatever is going to yeah. be blocked so you can actually walk around it, which yeah. would be great. It would be great. It'll be interesting to see how many cars they crowd in there. And uh, Get there early. I would say get there very early if you want to be on the main drag. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be sitting over there at uh, Moe's parking lot. Right. Hey, I got some cars over here. Look at my stuff, please. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fun. And Chris does a great job. Thanks for setting it up and for promoting it early and uh, making sure that people get the word out there. So so should they act like a horse's ass is pulling out this time, Daryl? I think that would be a negatory. <laughs> I would not advise doing any burnouts, especially with all the businesses. But there's a roundabout. There. Oh, my God. The amazing burnouts in the roundabout. I think there's a couple in there, isn't there? Uh, Are there two? Just the one by the Holiday Inn that I'm aware of. Uh, there's one by Cat somewhere. There's like a Cat building or something. Oh. Maybe it's the wrong but term. No, by the Holiday Inn there by Johnny's. You <laughs> could just, when you haul out of there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Some guy in a big like M3, you're just going to slide it sideways. Don't do that. There's too much to go wrong. And by the way, a lot of business owners there really don't appreciate it when you do stupid <laughs> stuff in their parking lot. And pick up your trash. Pick up your trash, and be, please. And be kind to your neighbors and uh, do nice things, okay? Yeah. Don't do drugs. All right. <laughs> All right. So, Mr. T. I think, I think we're wrapping up on that. Uh, Daryl, are you going to be out there at Cars and Coffee? Yeah, I'm going to try to. I'm going to pop in there, and then there is an auction in oh, beautiful Manitou, Illinois. I'm so envious. I, we'll I, see what happens. I'll take some pictures. There's a bunch of old iron there, DeSoto's, Dodge's, late 40s stuff. I'm not bringing something home. I've been told that I'm not bringing something home. Lies. Uh, there's a lot of tools and stuff, too. So I'll take some pictures. Uh, you can check that out. I'll put... No, I'm not going to put a link on there because I'm going to buy it all first. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> if you're in the know, get down there. But, uh, yeah, I'll be camping Friday night. I, I, Saturday, I'm going to go to a concert in Chicago. And then Sunday, I'm going autocross. i got a busy weekend. I can't go hang out with cool kids at... So it's okay. You gotta you gotta you gotta be a family man yeah. once in a while. Yeah, exactly. So. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks again for listening. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email. We're at info at throwingwrenches.com. You got it right. Good job. You got it right this time. I studied, and you can also hit us up. We're on Facebook. We're on uh what's that called? YouTube. Oh, we're on YouTube, yeah. Throwing wrenches podcast on YouTube. I'm just throwing some snippets on there right now, but as we do stuff, uh it's an outlet for us too. So tune, uh, subscribe to that. And iTunes. We're there. We're there. We're we're everywhere. And nowhere. All right. Thanks again for listening. This is Eric Stahl. I'm Daryl Scott. We'll see you next time.